1: Welcome to Talking Points. This is your host, Brian Kelly, the Points Guy, and today we officially have a Points girl with us. B'nai Wilson is the new head of credit cards content at the Points Guy, and she is just a fascinating woman all around. B'nai, thank you so much for joining us.
2: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Brian. So
1: first and foremost, you know, you, you manage our credit card content, but you are an aviation geek to the core. Yes, You've been, since 1992, an aviation journalist. Tell us about how you got into the world we're in today. Take it back to the 90s.
2: Well, I actually um, have been an av-geek, avgeek all my life. And I was that little kid who would sit and go to the, my parents indulged me and took me to the airport yeah. and I'd track things. And then in 92, I found out, my roommate said, hey, this company is looking for somebody to write about aviation. And I thought she was joking. I'm like, somebody would pay for that? And I got that first job and never looked back.
1: And so if you do hashtag AVGeek, some people say AvGeek, some avgeek. people say AvGeek. A, so it's AvGeek. For yes. the record, because your Twitter name, and everyone should follow Binet on Twitter, is AvQueenBinet, B-E-N-E-T. So for the record, it's AvGeek. Yes. So you started writing about airlines, and then you ended up working for airlines. How did you make that jump to actually working for the airlines?
2: I was minding my own business. Um, In 2001, I went out to visit Mesa Air Group. And I was doing a series of stories, and they were asking me questions about the airline and everything. And I didn't know it was a job interview. And it was. And the company that I had been writing for, they would just been sold to a venture capitalist, and they brought in all these people who knew nothing about aviation. Mm. I was like, you know, this is time to make a... And I left D.C. and moved to Phoenix, the middle of the desert. So
1: you worked for Mesa Airlines in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And so you had non-rev flight benefits? Did you take advantage of it?
2: Full advantage. I had it for Mesa. We were partners with U.S. Airways, Frontier, and America West. So yes, I went as far as I What could. was
1: the furthest place that you went when you had those free flight perks?
2: I heard a story on National Public Radio, and they had built an ice skating rink on the second level of the Eiffel Tower. One of the people's like, well, you know, we heard about it, and my, my girlfriend works for the airline, so we just did it. I'm like, hey, I work for an airline. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yes, I ended up so ice you, skating. Did you,
1: did you connect through Philadelphia on U.S. Airways at that point?
2: Yes, that's the way. But there were always other you, – yeah. you, when you're non-revving, you have to be really
1: flexible. So. Well, I'm sorry you no longer have your non-rev benefits at the point, Sky, but I think <laughs> we've got some pretty good flight perks. Yes. Today's episode, if I haven't – been clear yet, we are going to talk all things credit card with our credit card guru, Benet. So how did you, you went into aviation and then you got into the credit card world. What was that evolution?
2: Well, I got hired in February of 2018 to write for a website called MileCards. And it had this perfect blend. I had not done a lot of credit cards. I'd done some freelance. There was also points and miles mixed in. But two months after um, I got there, mile cards was sunsetted and folded into compare cards. So I started doing all of the travel stuff because they knew I liked to do that and could get in the weeds and do the credit cards too.
1: I mean, I've been following you on social media for years. I remember... When we were hiring for this role and we're, you know, we've been on a pretty big spree with getting new fresh talent in the organization. And I just remember, oh my gosh, she's an aviation queen that also is passionate about you know credit cards and, and helping people get more points through those cards. Now, I really want this episode to be educational. So I'm gonna take mm-hmm. this for people who are not whizzes in in credit. Let's start from the very beginning you know, especially if someone's going to get credit cards, it's important to know your score. So what do people need to know about FICO scores versus, you know, all these other free credit scores, which, you know, in the industry, we call them FICO scores. What's the difference between a FICO and a FICO score?
2: Well, FICO is the standard. That's the one that everyone knows. Fair Isaac Corporation has been doing this for decades. And other people are coming into the space. But FICO is the number one. That mm-hmm. is the gold standard. And that's for who,
1: if you apply for a mortgage, your bank is going to pull your FICO score. Yes. And when you think about a FICO score, so the range is from, what, 350 to 850?
2: Yeah. Anything below 580 is poor. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably not going to get an apartment. You're not going to get a mm-hmm. mortgage. You'll be lucky if you can get a secured credit card mm-hmm. with some really onerous Crazy. terms. And then it goes up from there. You want to have at least 670 to be able to get, you know, some baseline cards. So, the
1: good credit range is 670 to 739, and then very good is 740 to 799. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, excellent. Yes, we've always said, you know, at least 700 and up is really where you want to be. But the fact of the matter is, even the upper 600s, you can get approved for. A lot of different credit cards yes
2: you can you're not going to get that platinum amex but you know there's some cards on the market that will still get you points and miles to do the things that you want to do
1: let's talk about a fico score so what are the things that go into a fico score how does someone get you know say you graduate from college you've got nothing bad on your credit how does one focus on their credit scoring
2: and increase it? What are the key things you can do? Well, you want to get a starter card. You know, if you don't have a lot of credit, you can get something with a lower limit, no annual fee, and it's not as onerous to get. You use the card responsibly. You pay it off when you can do at least minimum payments, no late payments. And as you build your credit up, that will allow you to get a larger credit limit or go to another card.
1: FICO actually has on their website, they have a pie chart, which I would share if this was a blog post, but we're talking. But on FICO's website itself, you know, paying your bill on time is the number one factor of your score. You know, the other parts are the available credit that you have and the debt that you have. So as long as you're paying on time and paying your bills off in full... Scores can shoot up pretty quickly. I mean, when can someone reasonably, someone with no real credit history, they get this, you know, a Discover It card. When can they expect the score to keep going up?
2: I mean, within six months. Mm -hmm. And if they do everything right, within a year, they can start looking at cards with a little more benefits and a little more perks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you might have to pay an annual fee to get it, but... You know, But I think the Discover card is a good a mm-hmm. good starting card.
1: I know at, at the Point's Go, we have a uh, an expat who graduated college and was working for us. And he had to get a secure credit card, even though he had a great job. But he had no real credit limit. And I think it was in under six months after getting the secured card, I think he had a $500 balance. He would pay it, just pay it off right away. And it was less than six months. And then he was above 700 and was able to then get... The sapphire preferred and reserve yes. and all the all the good ones that we'll get to talking about. What are some other tricks? I know um, if your parents or if your partner have great credit, is it true that becoming an authorized user will boost immediately boost your credit score?
2: Yes, it doesn't hurt the person that has it, but you get the authorized card and you do exactly what you would do if the card was your own. You pay it off regularly, don't miss any payments, don't do late payments, and it will improve your credit score.
1: I know with Amex, if you're an additional cardholder, you actually inherit the length of accounts of that account. I've heard stories about 22-year-olds who have a... uh, member since 1969 on their credit report because it inherits the original account.
2: Yes. And you want to be responsible, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you it's good to get this boost, but think of the person that has offered you this benefit and don't run up their card and don't mm-hmm. hurt their credit.
1: One of the things I've heard is that it makes sense to get a store credit card or a retail card, like a Macy's Charge card. Are they easier to get than rewards cards? Like, Should someone get one of those cards to start with, and will that increase your score?
2: Yes. Some of the terms on them are pretty onerous. So you want to read the fine print. I mean, one of the popular ones is the Kohl's card. But, you know, if you miss one payment, you're going to be paying a much higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. So store credit cards are a great option, too. But once you've built up the credit, you can close them down because you're really not getting any benefits.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you want to use your rewards for you know, merchandise or clothes, you'd be much better off getting just a pure cashback card, correct? Exactly. So let's start getting into the different flavors of credit cards out there. You know, when you have a beginner friend and they say, Benet, what credit card should I get? What are the steps that you coach your friends and people on? Where do you start?
2: I did this actually last week. It's this crazy thing I do. Somebody will pull out a credit card and I will see it. And then I will start rattling off statistics and say, (laughs) well, you know, you may want to look at this card instead. I think about what they're doing. So if it's somebody that travels a lot and they have just like a basic Capital One card, you know, and there's nothing wrong with Capital One. They have some good travel options, but I'm going to tell them to get a Chase Sapphire Preferred to start off Mm -hmm. because you get broad categories for travel. It's not just airlines and hotels, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really good. And you get the higher points and you get the 25% more value for your points when you redeem them for travel in the ultimate rewards portal.
1: Yeah. You know, the Sapphire, the travel category, especially if you live in the city, I mean, because New York city transit, parking, tolls, you know, it really adds up. You know, I always tell people instead of just getting one point per dollar, which is what so many cards and a lot of them will give you one cent for that, you really should be getting a rewards card. But even for cash back, so how do you look at cash back with the options out there? What are your recommendations for someone who said, I don't want to deal with the points. Like, I just want to stick to cash back. What are the good options out there?
2: I like the Chase Freedom because they have that program now where you get 3% cash back. Freedom Unlimited. Mm -hmm. In the first year when you spend up to Mm $20,000. And that's a nice chunk of change. And then um, 1.5% after that. And if you don't want to worry about, you know, rotating categories Mm -hmm. and different categories that you spend on. It's just great.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, the city double cash, too, is, you know, as long as you're paying your bill off in full, because you get 1% when you make the charge and then another 1% when you pay it off. So that's basically 2% back on your spend with no annual fee. Yes. But the one downside of that card is that it does have foreign transaction fees. I remember my dad, before the gold card uh, waived the fees, we were on a father-son trip. I think we were in, like, Istanbul, And he was hell bent on paying for our meals while we were there, which was very nice. I had covered our flights. But every time he used his gold card, I was like, no, like, why are you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, 2.7%. That's not that much. But that totally wipes out the value of those points that you're earning. So the key is to not, you know, pay off your bills in full every month and also to get a card that has no foreign transaction fees, which most of the top, you know, rewards cards waive. All right, let's take a quick break right here. BRB.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Welcome back to Talking Points. I'm Brian Kelly, and joining me on this episode is TPG's own credit card editor, Benet Wilson. So now let's talk about rewards cards for travel. So we got your co-branded airline cards and we have the transferable points cards of which there's the Capital One Venture, Amex. How do you walk people
2: through which of those cards to get? And I just had this discussion last week. Um, One of my friends was looking at the Delta Reserve versus the American Express Platinum. And I was pointing him toward the Amex Platinum until he reminded me that he lived in Atlanta and flew Delta Airlines. And he's always trying to get status because he doesn't fly as Mm -hmm. much as he flies enough, but not as much. So he wants to get those MQMs. So I said, yeah, the Delta Reserve is going to be the one for you.
1: So I know Delta has a number of cards that offer those elite miles. American Airlines has a couple. United doesn't. No. That Presidential Plus has since been grandfathered. So really, only spend on airline cards if you really are trying to get those elite miles. Otherwise, it would make sense. Because as you mentioned, Amex Platinum has 5X on airfare. So there's no single airline credit card out there that's going to give you 5X, even on that oh. single airline. Whereas Amex, and that 5X, is that every airline?
2: That's every airline. Yeah. Um, and if you don't want to be tied down, that's why I think it's an ideal card.
1: Yeah. Although the one thing is every airline, except they have to take Amex, I think Wow Air, may they rest in peace, didn't accept Amex at the time. And I was like, oh, I want to earn that 5X. But I think I just use a prestige card. Um, so in addition to the elite perks, like what are the other perks where some, it might make someone to put a flight on an airline card? If it's not for elite miles, like what are the other perks that people should be evaluating On those airline co-branded cards.
2: Oh, definitely you want the priority boarding. Mm -hmm. Both you want the priority check-in. You want the dedicated security line. um, You want the free checked bag, and some of the cards even put priority bag tags on your bag, Mm. so when they they come out first.
1: I know on the Delta cards, I think it has up to nine companions or eight companions. Eight companions. Yes, it's ridiculous. So yeah, if you got a big family and you know, you use that once a year, and that pays for the card many times over. Yes. And then in terms of hotel cards, you know, with the Sapphire Reserve offering triple on travel, why would someone ever want to put a hotel stay on a hotel-specific card?
2: Cards come with different perks. So, for example, I was in Miami last week staying at the JW Marriott Turnberry Isle. I have Marriott Gold status, so I got a 25% points bonus. I got the late checkout. I got the waiver of some of the resort fees. So if you are tied to a hotel brand, it's definitely worth it. They put some nice little benefits Mm -hmm. in there. Got the enhanced Wi-Fi. Depending on the hotels, I can get access to the lounge, which is very nice because it has breakfast and Mm -hmm. snacks and evening happy hour and That can really be nice.
1: So, yeah, so basically when it comes to airline and hotels, if you're loyal to a certain airline or, say, to a hotel, the perks alone, I know a lot on the hotel cards, those free annual nights can easily pay for the annual fee. Yes. So the number one thing, though, is even if you're using those perks when you stay, you don't have to be using that co-branded card for all of your purchases. You know, you can be earning more value back by using one of the premium cards, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. let's look at the premium cards out there. In last year's uh, 2018 TPG Awards, we voted, or TPG Readers voted, the Chase Sapphire Reserve as the best premium card. Amex Platinum, I know, was a somewhat close second, and City Prestige as a third. Do you think this year, uh, we're going to start voting in a couple months for the awards, do you think there will be a change, or could Amex Platinum take the cake this year?
2: Um, it's neck and neck, but we know that City Prestige will not be taking the cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they've had some pretty nasty. I I love my Prestige, and you know they had up the you know uh, dining to five X, which was pretty industry leading. But mm-hmm. bring us through some of the negative changes that they've been kind of constantly rolling out this year.
2: Yeah, I mean you're going to be paying four hundred ninety five dollars for a card that is losing all of its travel and purchase protections. Mm-hmm. I mean. The points are nice, but when you can get a Chase Sapphire Reserve or the Amex Platinum that has all these other perks and benefits, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? I mean, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with this, Mm -hmm. even with the higher points. I applauded that.
1: Yeah. If you could only have Amex Platinum or Chase Sapphire Reserve, which would you choose?
2: This was a tough one, and I knew this was coming. So I would go with the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And I would go with it because um, it does have um, the 50% more value spent on travel in the ultimate rewards portal. It also has a really broad and very generous travel definition. I mean, Mm -hmm. ride share, um, Airbnb, airlines, hotels, car rentals, like you said, parking. Um, although not tolls. Disney I
1: just took my nieces and nephews to Disney and they didn't give me the triple on the uh, on the theme parks well, not good but sadly <laughs> um, so you would go reserve I would also go reserve in general but I mean platinum is so good for airline lounges a 5x on airfare and Amex customer services uh, I think in, actually chase customer service is also really good but I think points the sapphire reserve wins perks the platinum you know if you like those uh, premium lounges, which are totally free for you and two guests. Um, but I really do think Amex needs to up the game when it comes to redeeming for hotels right now, you get less than one cent per point. Yes. And, you know, whereas, uh, chase gives you 1.5 cents on all travel and hotels. So I would like Amex to, to bolster the points program, you know, the redemption side a little bit more and also add, you know, airfare. Yeah. We spend a bunch on airfare here, but one X on everything else. I would love to see Amex add a, uh, some some other bonus categories in like
2: there. Like dining. Like, like they did, dining. Yes. I know, like
1: a 4X <laughs> on the gold card. So it's like you have to have mm-hmm. the gold card and the platinum card. All of a sudden, those fees add up.
2: And it's a little disappointing for me with the platinum for a card that is so travel-tied that mm-hmm. it doesn't have near the travel protections that the Chase Sapphire reserved as trip mm-hmm. cancellation, trip delay, baggage, lost luggage, you know, all of those Th- little That's perks. a really
1: good point, because you would think Amex would have those travel delays. They have, like, disaster insurance. If you're, you know, somewhere and you have a catastrophic injury, they'll evacuate you. But I know during the Wow Air, you know, shutdown, when the airline just went kaput mm-hmm. overnight, anyone who booked on a Chase had $10,000 in coverage yes. and a lot of our readers took advantage of that, but, you know, if you booked on Amex, you had to kind of hope the airline or other airlines offered you those cheap fares, you kind of got to stand in line, whereas if you had the chase card, you could rebook yourself, submit the claim, and that is definitely something to take into account when booking airfare. That points are one thing, but those protections are another, and that's somewhere that Amex could definitely beef up their coverage, especially since City has rolled it back. Yes. Now, sign-up bonuses are obviously a huge, amazing thing. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yes. I mean, you know, and, and we just launched TPG in the UK, and the sign-up bonuses there are 10, 20,000 points, 30,000. Here, they're huge. So what are the things you need to take into account when evaluating a sign-up bonus? You know, is 100,000 Hilton the same as 60,000 Chase? I know a lot of people just look at the highest number, but what do you recommend in really assessing the value
2: of a sign-up offer? Well, you think about the credit card. So with Hilton, you've got 100,000-plus points, but how can you use those points? If you want to transfer them to an airline, the valuation is horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get some good deals with Hilton, but again, they don't have a ward chart. They have a tool but you just never know. One day the hotel could be twenty-five thousand a night, and the next day it could be sixty thousand. So, you know, you have to think about what is more important to mm-hmm. you. For me, as much as I love Marriott, I would prefer to have the flexibility of a card like the Chase Sapphire preferred because that's one of the partners. Mm-hmm. Marriott is one of the three hotel partners. So for me, that's a better value.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, in the old days, you used to be able to sign up for the same card. It's called churning where you'd be able to get the same card bonus the next year or maybe even six months. Some cards would let you sign up over and over. You know, these sign-up bonuses cost the credit card companies real money and they've been kind of clamping down. What are some of the things credit card companies are doing to clamp down on churners?
2: Right. One of the big ones is Chase. I mean, they've got the 524 rule where you can only get up to five cards within a 24-month period. Um, if you want to get the Chase preferred and Reserve, you can't do it. There are people who are grandfathered in, but you can't do it anymore. And so
1: wait, let's just talk. So f- the Chase 524 rule mm-hmm. means that if you've had five credit cards with any issuer, not just Chase, within 24 months, that mm-hmm. they will say no. So even if you have an 800 credit score, you make a million dollars a year, they will decline. <laughs>
2: Yes, because you know people like to get all of these cards, and you know this is what we do: we stack the points, yeah. and we're trying to use them for our travel or whatever yeah. it is that we're using them for. So, and that costs money, and mm. they've really clamped down on this.
1: What cards do not count towards the five twenty four rule? Do they count business cards? They do not count business cards. Got it. You know Chase is pretty strict with this, so if you're new to this game, probably the best card is a Chase card because they're the hardest to get down the line. So you start yes. with the solid Chase card like the Sapphire Preferred with 60,000 points, which is the highest current signup bonus on a personal card. The Sapphire Reserve only has 50,000 points. So we always say, get the preferred, get the higher bonus, and then down the line, you could always uh, upgrade to the reserve. But you won't get the bonus. But you won't get the bonus. So right. So let's talk about that too. So people who want to, maybe they have a gold card, they do want to get platinum. What do you recommend so that you can still get the sign-up bonus?
2: I would look at the card match tool. Mm-hmm. I think that is fantastic. You can plug in some information, no hard pull or anything, and it will tell you offers that aren't always out there to the public. And I just think that's a fantastic tool. So a
1: lot of our TPG readers, so if you actually if you go to the slash card match, it's a tool from our partner creditcards.com. And, it, you know, Amex will give certain people up 75,000, 100,000 points for the platinum card up from the 60000 which is their public offer. And in full disclosure, if you apply for credit cards through the Points Guy, we receive a commission, on, in most cases, from the credit card companies. So we appreciate you using our links, because that's how we pay the bills around here. So you can look at card matches, see if you're eligible for some rich offers, specifically with Amex. What are some other ways that you can get juicier offers and what the public is
2: being offered? Well, if you have a card, um, you're always getting targeted offers. We did one where United was offering extra points if you were a United customer. Mm-hmm. They wanted you to get the card, so you would get more bonus miles if you applied for the card. They and had- so,
1: yeah, so logging in your frequent flyer account sometimes they will target richer offers. Exactly. I know some people have gotten huge offers in the mail, so even though it's 2019, snail mail can still contain really juicy offers. What about in flight and in airports, those people who are hey, you want a free flight? You know, even flight attendants these days have gotten pretty savvy as credit card marketers. Are those in-flight offers ever better than what you're going to get on the ground?
2: No, they're really not. And that's not the kind of decision I want to make when I'm sitting on my flight or I'm going through an airport and they're hawking these cards. You know, the cards aren't going anywhere. So Mm. those are two places that I might take a brochure, but I don't think I would actually apply in either place.
1: And it makes sense to look at what the public offers are, do some Googling around, you know, of course, check out our top cards page. You know, you may be targeted for an offer that we don't have. And I always tell people, go for it. Always go for the highest offer, but, you know, not really when you have poor Wi-Fi in flight and you feel pressured trying to catch your flight and filling out a form. So I think that's a really good um, tip because... You know, with Amex, like there, with sign up bonuses, a lot of times you only get one chance. So, mm-hmm. you know, with Amex, what's their rule with their Delta cards?
2: It's the same as the Amex card. You get that one bite at the Apple.
1: Per lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you know, with City AA platinum, it's forty eight months between bonuses and the city executive advantage is twenty four months. So, mm-hmm. you know, B of A now requires twenty four months, so Um, They're
2: tightening down because you you people did
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) You got to strike while the iron's hot. Let's talk about minimum spend. So I think what's important to note, though, too, a lot of credit card companies will start the clock the minute you get approved. And also, the annual fee does not count. We've gotten reader mistakes where they say, oh, my God, I missed out on a huge sign-up bonus because I came $10 short. So I always recommend, you know, overshoot it. Don't come in right at the wire at that exact dollar amount because if you you know if there's a refund or anything that can really throw your your sign up bonus in a tailspin and these credit card companies will not bend the rules you can cry and complain yes. but you know if you don't hit it or if you spend on something that's not a qualifying offer like you know a balance transfer then you are not getting that bonus speaking of balance transfers i know that's not really our space but if you do have credit card debt and you want to pay it off do you recommend transferring a, a high interest balance to a card that's offering 0% APR?
2: Yes, I actually do. But what with a caveat, I tell people, you know, this is not a cure-all. So when you transfer that balance, make sure that you pay it off within that time. It's usually between 12 months and some even go up to 24 months. Mm -hmm. Pay it off because if you don't, you're going to be in the same situation you were before.
1: Yeah. I think that's really sage advice because I was in credit card debt in college. And even when I moved to New York, I was like $6,000 and all of a sudden it was 7,000 and I wasn't making a lot of money. And it was like, it it just, it's like quicksand. So as much as I'm the points guy and I love points, if you're paying 24%, you know, on a charge, yes, even if you redeem for business class, like chances are, you're going to pay for that many times over. So you know, for people who want to get in on this game and, and are in debt, don't feel guilty. It happens to a lot of Americans. But the number one tip should be to neutralize that balance, get it to a no interest card, and then pay it off.
2: And also, some cards, if you don't pay it off within that time period, the balance goes to the higher rate. Hmm. So you have that's another. You have to read that fine print. And there also
1: is a fee to transfer to a card. Usually it's like 3% balance transfer fee on the balance, which can be pretty significant. I know years ago, the Chase Slate card actually had 0% interest and 0% balance transfer on non-Chase balances. I don't, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I doubt it. But you know, while at the Points Guy, we talk all about rewards cards, we don't recommend moving around balances to avoid paying interest. Our tip is to get yourself into a place of financial freedom so that when you do get your points, you can travel and enjoy it and not be struggling with credit card debt, which can be crippling. Yes. So let's just do some rapid fire. What are some underdog credit cards that maybe you think don't get enough credit, whether on the points guy or in general, that you think people should take a look at?
2: I wrote the story when Wells Fargo came out with the rebranded Propel card. And this is a free card, people. And I loved it. I mean, three points— for everything from travel to hotels to dining and food delivery and Airbnb and streaming services. Mm. And I mean, three points. That's that's no pretty fee. nice. And no annual. You're, you're fee. the second
1: guest in recent history. Richard Kerr, who's our points guru. Um, he also loves the propel card because it gives him flexibility to buy, you know, he has a family and he buys his flights using basically the cash back
2: from it. So you have the Wells Fargo Propel? I love it. And also, it comes with travel protections. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a free card, I mean, lost luggage, I mean, it's just amazing. Huh. All the perks that you get for a card with no I have the Propel fee. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
1: solid. No, I know you love Southwest. I do.
2: How do people navigate? What are the best cards for Southwest Flyers? Well, if you had asked me this a few months ago, I would have set the priority. I remember I was really happy when the priority came out, although I was disappointed that they still only offered two points mm-hmm. for airline and then car and hotel rental spending because a lot of the airlines are boosting it up and including things like dining and other things. So I was disappointed that they didn't add that. But it's got the um, four boarding, priority boarding passes a year, and it comes with a $75 credit, which makes it cheaper than the Premier hmm. <laughs> with, the, with the credit. I always
1: say that with credit cards, cheap is expensive. Often, you know, yes. you pay, you know, on a premium card, but then all of a sudden you're getting hundreds in fee. I know a lot of the Marriott cards, the premium Marriott cards now offer ridiculous perks. So, you know, even with the Sapphire Reserve, it's $450, but you get $300 off the bat in travel. So you're really paying $150 a year for a card that gives 3X, priority pass, etc., And the Sapphire Preferred is only 2x and 95, so it can be confusing, but doing the math, even though the Preferred does have a higher sign-up bonus, after year one, it might make sense, even if you forego the signup bonus to get the reserve card. Now, if you have a small business, business credit cards can be really lucrative. What exactly qualifies... Um, or who qualifies to get a small business credit card?
2: Well, you'd be surprised. Um, you can um, have a small business. You can have a side hustle. You can be a freelancer. I mean, I had a, um, an ink business card when I was 100% freelancing. So you don't have to have a gigantic conglomerate to mm-hmm. get these business cards
1: because what if you are a freelancer what do you you use your social security number as a sole proprietor
2: oh actually I have an EIN so oh, okay. I didn't want to use my personal yeah. so I got an EIN which is free anybody can pretty much get one so
1: interesting and so business credit cards and the, the real benefit there is that they sit on a business credit report exactly So even though they're guaranteed by you personally You know, the balances and everything don't mess with your personal FICO score exactly on a monthly basis.
2: And they have some pretty good perks. So if you're buying office supplies, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, the travel and the car rental, that's really good because it's primary instead of secondary. And that can add up quickly. Mm
1: -hmm. People assume that the Sapphire Reserve is how I earn most of my points, and it's actually not true. I actually earn the most points by putting our Facebook, Twitter all of that spend on my ink preferred which is 3x ultimate rewards points and then the Amex business gold now offers 4x up to 150,000 so especially every January 1 when those categories reset it is a points bonanza so you know mixing your your business and your personal spend is how you can really ramp things up pretty quickly so in general someone who's getting into this there's really rich sign up bonuses out there there's really great perks what are some of the resources you recommend to people as they start to get into this credit card and understanding the credit card game?
2: Well, first, I mean, follow us. I mean, get the newsletter because things are always changing. And we are updating the credit card content constantly. So we know all of the latest deals. We have a great staff of people who really know how to use these cards and give great advice on how to do it. So, I mean, we're the home for you. I mean, you will learn everything you need to know work with the credit
1: card companies and we know what's coming down the pike often months in advance so speaking generally how do you see the second half of 2019 you know for people listening should they be excited about new offers do you think there's going to be many juicy credit card launches or promotions coming down or do you think it's because it's kind of fizzled out a little bit you know since city prestige kind of devalued some of its perks Um, you know, there have been some enhancements as well. It hasn't been all bad news. But what do you see, not even just 2019, into 2020, the rewards credit card market?
2: I mean, I remember how excited everyone was when Amex redid the gold card. And then um, in the spring, they added dining around the world. And people just went nuts. And they went crazy for the rose gold card. I mean, it's just
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: so it's a pretty card. It is beautiful. And I see more of that. I don't see big revamps. I just see people adding benefits mm-hmm. and um, targeted things. So I think that's what we're going to see. What coming. is
1: one perk on a credit card that you'd like to see? And while you think about that, because I'm surprising you with that question, I would love to see clear added to a credit card. Um I have so many credit cards that offer global entry and pre-check, and it's like, once you have it, you know, you only need that once every five years, yet I have, I think, seven cards that offer it. I would love to see either Passport, Visa Services, or Clear would be really great additions instead of having yet another Priority Pass or global entry.
2: I'm a huge fan of Clear. I started writing about that when it first came out, and I was highly skeptical. I'm like, why do I need this? I have pre-check. Um, I came, when I came up here and flew up here this morning, the lines at BWI were ridiculous. Clear is always open, and it takes, I time it. It took me two minutes and 12 seconds to get through security from the time I scanned my fingers to yep. the time my bag came out of the machine.
1: Yeah, same with uh, at JFK Terminal 4. The pre-check line was like 100 people long, and I almost feel guilty. There was actually a New York Post article that came out recently saying that clear is not fair. What would you say to that in terms of? having to pay to get through security quickly.
2: For me, time is money. And I do see the people glaring at me. And I'm always telling people, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for travel. And I was like, you can get Clear if you join Delta Sky Miles for free. I mean, I'm paying $100 a year for Clear. And I can take my kid with me. And it's the best money I spend.
1: You heard it here. And if you want to listen to our podcast with the CEO of Clear, make sure to listen to our episode with Karen Seidman Becker. Benet, I know you're a Southwest fan. The Southwest Companion Pass, I think we'd be remiss to not tell people. Probably one of the most amazing credit card, well, airline perks that you can get through credit card spend. Real briefly, why should people who fly Southwest pay attention to those co-brands and the Companion Pass perk?
2: That's the holy grail for me and any other person that flies Southwest regularly. With Southwest Companion Pass, if you fly a hundred segments, you will get a pass. And if you time it right, you can stretch it out beyond a year. You will be able to take a travel companion every time you travel, and you pay the taxes and fees. I mean, who wouldn't love that?
1: That's amazing. And and just the sign-up bonus—you know—you need one hundred ten thousand Companion Pass qualifying points, and the sign-up bonuses count towards that. So yes. Even though we're in August, so if you were to attain it today, it's valid through the year that you get it and then the entire following year. So if you time it in January, you can have it for almost two years, this companion pass status, and you can change your companions. We have all of that info. If you just Google the Point Sky Southwest Companion Pass, FAQ and how to get it, we have all of those details. And the best way to get it, instead of flying 100 flights, that's a lot of work. You can just get some credit cards and put your spend... Binet, final question. Are
2: you an aisle or window seat? Aisle. You're an
1: aviation queen. Don't you like sitting out the window? I cannot be trapped.
2: I cannot be trapped. Now, I will sit at the window if the plane's empty because I'll take pictures, but no, I am an aisle person.
1: Aisle person. All right. Well, one final, final question. Where are you desperate to visit?
2: I'm going there in February. I'm going to Morocco.
1: Morocco. Oh, are you going on the inaugural or when uh, American Airlines starts flying there? No,
2: I just found out about that because that happened while I was out last week. I'm actually going to take TAP Portugal. I'm going to stop off and do the stopover, the free stopover. I'm going to Porto for three days. Do you like port wine? I do. I went to the Algarve last year, so it was wonderful. And I discovered White Port wine. Have you ever had that? I've
1: never had it.
2: I had never had it either. I usually only have it on
1: planes. They're like, do you want a Tawny Port? I'm like, sure.
2: White Port is fabulous. White Port is fabulous. The
1: more you know, Binet, thank you so much for joining us. And if you missed her Twitter account, make sure to follow her at AveQueenBinet. Thank you so much to our production here at TPG, Caroline Chagrin and Margaret Kelly. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And thanks, as always, to my amazing assistant, Christy Matsui. That's it for this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. And once again, a huge thanks and safe travels to our
0: aviation queen, B'nai Wilson. Thank you.